Hello Gen Xers, what is up? It is good to see you getting some water here. I needed a break. Uh, boy, just a lot of a lot more nonsense going on this past week, so it's good to take a break and to and to get some of this nonsense off of my chest. You know, a lot of stuff it seems like we're just sort of sort of tolerating right now. You know, not unlike you know that that one friend of your wife's from high school. You know, not no no not not that one. Though you know the, the one you know that 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 loser that you know uh, failed out of or failed to get into med school in college but yet she still has every bit the ego that she's always had you know you know that, that loser you know that that one that I'm talking about he's kind of he's kind of put up with it just a lot of stuff just put up with a whole lot of nonsense uh you know this past week the first thing for that that's just really really concerning you know comes from that address that Joe Biden had uh, to the joint session of Congress his first one apparently it's, it's the longest any any you know new president has ad- addressed a joint session of Congress uh, in person um, took him a long time to do that because you know he has a hard time stringing any kind of coherency uh, together but he just laid out so much as far as these spending programs that he has and you know, I don't know if it's by design, if they're trying to just destroy things, but I I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around it because when you when you hear it, you know, thrown out there, it seems like it almost like they couch it as though it's like one one bill, like for you know a trillion dollar spending bill. But I mean, we're talking about like four or five different projects with trillions each. You know, there's an infrastructure bill, there's a jobs quote unquote jobs bill, and and a number of others, and they. They total about like four trillion dollars. Where? How is this stuff getting paid for? I just it, it just it boggles my mind. And you know, to be fair, Republicans are almost as bad as far as spending goes. But you know, Democrats are always bad, especially with their spending. They're always always bad. But I I just I I, I I'm heaven heaven help us if if this stuff gets passed if if that's where they. They try to go. I, I mean, they're just gonna have to just print money. You know, I'm just, I'm bracing myself for some crazy hyperinflation, and and it seems like we might be percolating right on the cusp of it. You know, with the, you know, seeing the skyrocketing price of lumber, you know, gas and groceries. You know, lumber. I mean, it's up like six times the the price of just raw lumber. You know, gas is up like you know thirty forty percent. Groceries are up about thirty percent. It's just it's exhausting, you know, and and the, ironically, the the people that get hurt the most by this are the people that they claim to want to help the most. You know, these you know lower income families, you know, people who are living paycheck to paycheck, you know, they're the ones who get hurt the most, you know, by this type of by inflation in general, but certainly by this type of you know, hyperinflation. And it seems like we're kind of right on the cusp of it. There's all kinds of you know whispers of if of a lot of money going into commodities, you know, particularly gold, you know, of course, all the you know, cryptocurrencies are, are kind of their own, own sort of, uh, animal. And, and a lot of, uh, a lot of investing is going that way. Any, anything to, tr- you know, get out of the dollar, which is just, it's, it's, it's scary. You know, for anybody who has any types of saving, any pensions or anything that I mean, is just going to get just throttled if if hyperinflation goes the way that it feels like it's going to go and i can't help but think you know as a gen xer you know, the the you know the cynicism that you get from 
from experiencing this kind of nonsense before that's going to happen and it's going to burn us, you know, because if, if you're like me, you know, as, as a Gen Xer, you know, you, you, you pay your dues, you work hard. And, and you know, when you were graduating college, <clears throat> it was right just before the tech bubble, you know, bursts. And you had to deal with that, you know, when you, when you were, when you bought a home, you know, it was just before the housing boom, you know, fell and, and, you know, and real estate prices were really high and, and we had to buy, buy in then and, and home values have struggled to, to even creep back up to that point. And so it, it stands to reason as we have kids that are graduating and moving on to college and we get closer and closer to retirement, that of course something like this would happen that would just absolutely take our legs out. You know, you you contrast that to, you know, the spoiled baby boomers, particularly the, you know, the worst ones, the, you know, the, the younger baby boomers, how, you know, these idiots they were managed to just live a, you know, a charmed life as far as their timing goes, how, you know, when, when they graduated college, it was just before in the eighties took off when, when, the, you know, jobs were getting created like crazy because, you know, the Reagan administration was you know, getting the economy um, going again. And and when they were buying houses, it was right after, again, you know, the Reagan administration had been slashing interest rates where they were record highs under the Carter administration. And so they were buying, you know, you know cheap houses with low interest rates and and off they go, you know, and as they get into retirement, it's, it's just before all that, all, all the you know, value starts to go out in, in the, in the market and they, they sell out and, and, and capture their, their, uh, re- retirement values at, at record highs and everything seems to, you know, to go in their favor. And it seems to be on the back of, of, of people our age. And it's just, it's exhausting. It, it really is. And so you see something like this on the horizon and it just it brings back all of all those memories of, of of just being on the short end of stuff and getting screwed over and over again. And it just it just makes you brace, right? Just just kind of hold on for dear life. And it just makes me wonder as when you hear this type of spending proposed out there, and is the deficit honestly no longer a problem? Are are we just have we decided not to care about that? I mean, is that not a problem anymore? Um, what about the national debt? I mean, you know, for, for years you had that, that goofy grandstanding national debt calculator that, that the press would, would sideswipe every now and again to, to show you and scare you. Is that, is that not a thing anymore? I mean, all, all these trillions of dollars they've just thrown over and over and over again, um, you know, for, you know, different COVID relief initiatives and, you know, all because you know they're they're keeping a stranglehold on the economy and people getting back to work and I I, I I I just don't know how we can how we can recover from this. I mean, think about that in in your own in your own household. How would it work if people did this? You know, if if people just spent and spent and spent, and if you needed more, you just got more credit cards with no intention of paying them back. What would happen? I mean, if, if we as individuals, we as citizens behave the way the government does. We'd be thrown in jail. You know, we'd be accused of and convicted of racketeering and running Ponzi schemes. But with the government, they get reelected. 
I just don't know how long we are going to allow these clowns to do this, but here we go. And he was out there just, just throwing spending idea after spending idea. Now, whether or not any of these actually come to fruition, we'll see. No doubt he's trying to strike while the iron's hot, while he has a very, very slim majority um, in the House. I believe it's the smallest majority in, in the history of the United States in, in, the, in the House and with a, a tie-breaking majority in the Senate. Maybe they, they, they want to do whatever they can before the midterms because as midterms typically go against the incumbent party in the White House, and now after the redistrict, redistricting and the adjustments of electors from the, the latest census, it seems to be going away from, from Democrat strongholds. You know, California lost a seat for the first time ever. New York lost a seat. And, and Texas and Florida and, and some other red areas are gaining. You know, the, the likelihood of them retaining power in the House does not look good, possibly even the Senate, but we will see how that goes. But in, until then, they seem to want to jam through as much as they possibly can. You know, not unlike Obamacare throwing an intentionally flawed uh, health care bill just to capture their their majority at the time. But it, it terrifies me. This level of spending, it simply is not sustainable. And you know, anybody who has any any financial or, or economic acumen can see that from a mile away, and it's scary. You know, when you think back to Ross Perot's presidential campaign in 1992, which arguably was the reason why Bill Clinton was able to win that win that election. Um, his main thing that he he ran on was the deficit. You know, that the deficit was way out of control. I mean, we're talking about 1992, and we've had. Republican and Democrat administrations, plural, on both sides since then, and have done nothing to slow that spending. And here we are, almost thirty years later, and we are we're, we're cool with that now. That's not a problem. I, I don't understand it. It's it, it's crazy. It's scaring. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, we Gen Xers won't get burned again. But I, I can't help but just brace and and think that it's it, it's bound to you know before either either soon or just before we hit the retirement age and in that date that we have circle on the calendar when we want to retire, that it's finally going to catch up and, and the whole house of cards is going to collapse. So brace yourself. Um, I'm certainly not optimistic on, on that front, but uh, hopefully I'm wrong, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, I did think it was interesting in rebuttal of, of, President Biden's address, Tim Scott, you know, the senator from South Carolina, and gave his rebuttal, and, and I thought he gave some a, a very uh, well thought out response. Um, and the the main takeaway that that was reported from that is is how he said that uh, definitively that America is not a racist nation, and and you know, I, th- I think he even you know said, said that he. Personally, his family have gone from from slavery to the the Senate in a generation. You know that that if America were a racist country, they certainly wouldn't be able to to do that. You know, and it's yeah, that's a, a fair sentiment for for him and as as a as a black man and someone from South Carolina for him to be able to say that. That's 
you know, it seems to carry a lot of weight. But the disappointing thing is when, you know, someone from any kind of uh, ethnic and racial minority cuts against the political grain, the the, the knives come out, and they certainly did uh, in this case for, for Senator Scott. And, you know, you know, Joey Behar was out there saying he needed to be taught what racism is. I, you know, I... <laughs> Uh, is she really that arrogant, that narcissistic to think that she needs to school Tim Scott or any African-American on what racism is? I mean, that's that's where we are now. That I mean, someone just simply cuts against your your political beliefs, your beliefs, you're going to just start cutting them down on that level. It's just, it was it's just odd. You know, the, of course, the the cries of Uncle Tom went out there. There's that Texas Democrat who called him an Oreo. Oh wow! Really? Oh my goodness! And and you know he, the, his resignation was demanded, and he put it in there. And the Texas Democrats are refusing to accept it. It's just it's just bizarre. I mean, can you imagine if this were any Republican? Can you imagine if this were Donald Trump for Pete's sake? You know, I'm here. You have a Republican or Republican, a Democrat governor in Virginia with the history of wearing blackface. Totally fine. And you have a Democrat in Texas calling. Tim Scott and Oreo, totally fine. Zero, uh, zero repercussions from it, and at least none that you're willing to accept. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, but that that's almost being a par for the course when it comes to that. But you know, such was such was the the address to the to the joint session. But again, I'm just I'm just terrified of. Of what's to come on the economic front, terrified what what will happen with with inflation, and it just does not seem to be going in a good direction. Um, as far as also not going in a direction, and things that are frightening, the FBI and Department of Justice, uh, boy, they're frightening now. Um, do, do you see that there's that raid on Rudy Giuliani's apartment? I, I mean, it seemed like it was nothing short of political retribution. I mean, you know, they might as well have been. In the middle of the night with flashlights in the Watergate Hotel. I mean, it, it was just, it's, it was crazy what they were doing, uh, you, you know, raiding his, uh, his apartment in, in, in retribution for him defending Donald Trump after the, after the election. Absolutely crazy. And also crazy is, you know, the Department of Justice, I don't know if you heard this, they were prepared at the Derek Chauvin trial um, if it was to have been declared a mistrial or, if he were to have been acquitted, they were prepared to arrest him on the spot you know, with federal charges if it went that way. Which actually, just it, seem, it just seems terrifying that here we have a government agency that, for political purposes, w- would incarcerate someone for political reasons. I mean, if, if something didn't go their way, they would simply throw someone in jail. And it's... It was absolutely crazy, um, particularly when you think how of all the, the problems that that are stemming out from that trial and the likelihood of of and the the verdict being overturned. Particularly in light of the you know the story this past week, there's one of the jurors who was really shown to have lied on his application, saying he could be impartial, and he appeared on some podcasts and he has his own podcast. Uh, that um, he, and he was advocating for you know, 
people to get on juries so that they can affect change. And, and they had pictures of this guy wearing, um, attending black and BLM rallies and where the, you know, the, the family of George Floyd was speaking and he had, you know, a shirt on that said, uh, you know, get off my neck, something, to, something to that effect. And, uh, it just seems like he is handing the defense a golden ticket to have a, a mistrial declared. And I can't for the life of me think what in the world this guy's thinking, because if, if you, if you throw out all of the, you know, the, the problems that we've talked about in the past with, with this trial and, and, you know, proving intent and, and third degree murder beyond a reasonable doubt, throw all that out on, say he's 100% guilty and there's beyond reasonable doubt and say, we'll, we'll just take it at its face. And if in that scenario, you really want to see justice. You want to affect change. You, you think it's completely, completely justified that he be found guilty. The absolute worst thing you could do is exactly what this guy did, because you were just handing him on a golden platter a reason to have a mistrial declared and to set the guy free. <laughs> I mean, you moron. You are just absolutely undercutting your own cause. Do you not see that? It's, it, it's just disgusting. And I, I don't know. I mean, they're so blind by their own righteousness that they can't see that their own behavior is, is undercutting their own cause. And it's absolutely bizarre. Um, but, and, and it just, it calls, calls into question all that much more of, of this trial. Unfortunately, again, you know, Derek Chauvin does not seem like he was a good dude, but at the same time, he still deserves a fair trial, just like anyone would, and he does not seem to have gotten that. Now, you can compare this to the experience of of another person who died at the hands of police. I'm not sure if you've heard of Tony Timpa before. I think I've discussed him before. But Tony Timpa was 32 years old in August of of 2016, and he's suffered from schizophrenia and depression and his marriage had fallen apart and a whole number of things. He was in a bad place and he called 911 because he needed help um, and, and needed, needed some assistance. And so the police responded to him and you know, things progressed and, and one thing led to another and, and he found himself on the, on the ground handcuffed with a, an officer on him with his knee in the middle of his back for 14 minutes and he ended up suffocating and dying. Now, have you, I want you to ask yourself, have you heard of the name of Tony Timpa? Again, this was August, 2016. Tony Timpa in Dallas uh, was a white guy. Uh, the cops who killed him were also white. I don't remember any rallies at the time that Tony Tempo was killed. Um, the, the off their three officers were, all, were, um, put in front of a grand jury and they were indicted by the grand jury for charges of manslaughter. And in 2019, those charges were, um, were vacated and, and they were not uh, taken to trial. I don't remember riots. I don't remember protests. I don't remember calls for change. I don't remember um, any any thirty two year old prospective jurors advocating to affect change. I don't. I don't remember any of that. 
Uh, I don't remember anybody saying, say his name. I don't remember anybody saying that his life mattered. Um, it just, it makes me think that all of this is just a bunch of hypocritical nonsense. I, I just, I, I, it's, it, it unfortunately just makes, makes it hard for me to take them seriously. You know, I, I think, you know, you know, poor Kyle Rittenhouse, um, I, I think he needs to brace himself I, to, that he's going to get life in prison. I think Kyle Rittenhouse, in contrast to Derek Chauvin, I think can can definitively prove self-defense and, and that he's not guilty of, of murder. But if you have these activists wanting to sit on juries, I don't, I don't think it looks good for poor Kyle. It, it just doesn't. Um, and and all, this, all this nonsense just makes me wonder, who in the world would want to be a cop right now? I mean, who would want to stay a cop? And I, I, I think... The, these uh, these police departments in in these metro areas are they're just hemorrhaging numbers. I, I, you know, cops I think with good reason should be could and are quitting in mass numbers, uh, retiring in mass numbers. And and for the life of me, I can't think of who would want to become a cop, much less remain a cop. And what's going to happen in their place? You know, I, I think an army of social workers are simply not going to get the job done. But I, I can't imagine. Anyway, there's this really cringy video this past week of this woman being pulled over by a cop who I believe was Hispanic. And she was just raging on him because he, he, she was pulled over for being on her phone. Um, and she was just, you know, she was calling this guy a murderer. She's saying he's harassing her, wants to be to a supervisor and just raging at him. And apparently she's a teacher even, which is even that much more disgusting that, that children have to be taught by this lunatic. And he just kept saying, no, but you can't, uh, she's like, I can be on my phone. He's like, not while you're driving. You can't, you can't, I'm just taking a picture of you. Cause I can you know, f- you know, film you. He's like, yeah, not while you're driving. You can't, but she was just lost her mind and was just berating this cop. And I just I thought who would want to do that job? You know, you think customer service is a bad gig, but I can't imagine doing your job and doing what you think is right. And then being incarcerated for it or have the the threat of being incarcerated for it or going to jail for either acting or not acting right no matter what way you act it's going to be wrong right i mean just ask lebron james he'll let you know um but i i just it's that's not going in a in a good place but you know ultimately you know the fbi and the department of justice you know they've been politicized for a long time you know i know you know donald trump was trying to or the trump administration was trying to correct that and which you know, resulted in a lot of allegations and Russian investigations and stuff that, that were debunked after many years. But those two organizations are certainly not in a good spot right now and have, have a lot of reasons to doubt their authenticity at this point, which again, if you, you start losing the, the faith of, of the citizens and the American people, you know, that your organization is just simply not going to, not going to stand. Now, lastly, the one the other thing that's just getting under my skin and you've just been tolerating it. And at some point this nonsense needs to stop is, and hopefully I, I, I think we're seeing some good signs that we're, we're getting that way, but woke culture is just absolutely destructive. And I, I, people are starting to fight back against it. Finally, um, it, 
and maybe that we can actually have some constructive change and and to stop that drumbeat you know because you know woke culture it's destructive it's racist you know the critical race theory critical gender theory you know all the critical theories all that nonsense you know for you know these these radicals and these activists to commandeer language to commandeer definitions of of things that have have had value for generations and centuries uh, that just nonsense nonsense just has to stop case in point on jeopardy this past week you probably saw this there's this contestant this champion who had won like three games in a row and he flashed you know the the number three with his fingers you know much like any nba player you know like steph curry or lebron james when they hit a three point you know they kind of like the okay sign sort of but you know with their you know, their hands backwards, you know, just flash the number three, you know, hey, three, whoo. And he did this, you know, they, and as they announced this, you know, three-time returning champion, he flashes the three. Well, the predictable cries of, of that he was flashing the white power symbol. And, oh my, I just cringe. I just cringe whenever you hear that nonsense. It has been, that allegation has been disproven so many times. You know, they, the notion that the okay sign is a white power signal was a joke on 4chan that went out a number of years ago and the media ran with and social media ran with and it's they want it to be a thing no matter how hard you try it is not a thing it is not a thing it's okay or number three it is certainly not a white power dog whistle or symbol it's just that has been debunked over and over again and they keep putting it in our face over and over again and i just simply can't take it i'm tired of it shut up go away <laughs> it, it, i i I, it, I can't take it likewise apparently you know the snow white ride is now problematic which comes right after disneyland finally opens after over a year being shut down uh, nine months after Disney World opened up, opened back up, Disneyland opens up and you have a bunch of nerds out there crying and sobbing that they finally opened up, which, okay, fine. You're that happy for it, fine. I, I wouldn't be, but you are. No, I don't really care. However, just as immediately as that park reopens, the Snow White ride is now deemed problematic because at the end of the ride, Prince Charming comes and he kisses Snow White who ate the poison apple and she wakes up again. Well, that is now problematic because of consent and the, uh, oh gosh. I mean, it, it, how exhausting must life be if you're running around there and you see something from an 80 year old cartoon that you find problematic? I can't fathom how exhausting and agonizing your existence is. I mean, if that's, if you come away thinking that's problematic, uh, I, I, I can't help you. I don't know. All I know is I don't want to hear it. You know, shut up, go away. I, I just, I, I don't care. You deserve all of that, all of that angst that you get from it. Cause it's not a thing. No matter how much you want to make it a thing, it's not a thing. Um, however, though, speaking of California, Caitlyn Jenner is now jumped, you know, two feet into running for governor. And there was this 
or, well, first thing for apparently, you know, she was asked about, you know, you know, trans athletes, you know, competing, namely biological males competing as, as women, um, as, you know, trans women. And Caitlin said that that was not fair. It was totally against it and would, would, would be for barring biological males from competing in women's athletics because that's, it's too much of an, an, an unfair advantage uh, for them. Of course, there was the predictable meltdown, which think of the level of arrogance and ego <laughs> that, that would cause, I mean, here, here's a trans athlete, a trans person who was extremely famous in, you know, from the seventies of being, of winning gold medals in the decathlon, right? Arguably the best athlete in the world at the time was you know, a, a decathlete gold medalist. And as Bruce Jenner won gold medals in the, in the Olympics became quite famous for being, you know, the best athlete in the world. You would think that would give now Caitlin unique perspective on this and that opinion would carry quite a little, uh, quite a lot of weight for me. If Caitlyn Jenner, as a former gold-winning decathlete, says, you know, that's really an unfair advantage, I would tend to give some some weight to that. But much like Tim Scott, you know, the the SJWs and and the political left just will not stand for that, and came after her, um, calling her a traitor and this, this, and that. And Caitlin responds by dropping one of the most brilliant political ads I think I've ever seen. Now, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I highly recommend it. But it was everything that you would want to see in a political ad. You know, how, how often do you hear people who hate politics and don't want to follow politics because it's too negative? There's too much hate. There's too much animosity and blah, 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 blah. And there are too many attack ads. And, and you see these ads during the campaign season, you know, my opponent is anti-puppies and happiness and rah, 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 all that kind of nonsense that you see with the black and white and the ominous music. Well, this was the exact opposite. It was all upbeat saying, you know, we, we, California used to be the envy of the world. We had what everybody wanted and now we need, it's become something else and we need to get back to it. And was saying we need to do this, this, and this. It was great. It was a very shrewd ad, very well done. Um, but it was perfect timing coming after uh, Caitlin had taken some some flack for uh, advocating for the banning of trans athletes uh, competing in in women's sports. But that that, that critical race theory, the gender theory, that's that crap's got to stop. You know, we need to purge that. It 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 is inherently racist. Um, it 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 that crap's just got to stop. You know that. You saw there's this this Wisconsin farmer who is is filing suit against the federal government who, who apparently has lost both of his legs, um, but he's suing the federal government because he's a white farmer and apparently white farmers are not allowed relief under the you know the Farmer Relief Act that's that has has been put out there. Um, likewise, you know, restaurant owners who are owned by white men are last in line for federal relief under the restaurants revitalization fund. I mean, that's certainly got to just be, be struck down. I just, I, I can't for the life of me figure how, how that can be allowed to happen. I mean, that, that seems like institutionalized racism. That's that is systemic racism, right? Where you are in law writing in that 
someone cannot receive aid or relief from the federal government due to their race and gender. That is is racism. That is systemic racism. It's not what what we tend to hear it is, but I mean this is that. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, but it's it, it, it hopefully it doesn't cause and seed a lot of anger and resentment. Hopefully people can rise above that nonsense and just make the government behave the way they should. But we'll see. But you know they. These power brokers seem to want to divide us on racial lines. They want to divide us on on gender lines, and it's just it's just odd, you know. They're these now they're calling these things affinity groups, which essentially now is new segregation, right? Where minorities don't feel comfortable around white people, so they need to be able to congregate with their affinity groups. It's just it's segregation. It's just odd. I mean, I, I thought that was a good thing when that when that stuff went away in the 60s. But here we go again under, under except they're not calling it segregation. They're calling it affinity groups. But, uh, you know, that, that's where these charlatans go. Again, they're hypocrites, they're liars, and, you know, they're racists. But we'll, we'll, we'll see if that if that ends anytime soon. Now, lastly, I want to end on this. You know, just I don't know if you saw that, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates are are divorcing. You know, I, I don't want to tap dance on that grave. But the one thing I did see that was very funny um, was regarding Joe Rogan. Um, Joe Rogan on his podcast this past week um, gave the opinion that he felt like a a healthy 21 year old does not need to get the get a COVID vaccine because. They're young, they're healthy, and if they got it, it in, in all likelihood, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be fatal, wouldn't be deadly. Um, they're probably better off not getting it. It's just his opinion. He you know off the cuff, and people just absolutely savaged him. And there was you know article after article saying, you know Joe Rogan opinions dangerous and uh, regarding you know COVID vaccine, blah 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 blah. You know Joe Rogan's not a doctor, and you shouldn't be giving medical advice, blah 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 blah. And unironically, right next to that, they would say, you know, Bill Gates, you know, champions vaccines and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I, I didn't I don't think that Bill Gates is a doctor. I, I, I know he, he made some very unreliable software, but I, I don't I don't think he is a doctor. I don't know about his medical training. Um, but just because it happens to go lockstep with your orthodoxy, you're cool with that, but you're not cool with Joe Rogan. So with that, I could say you can go pound sand. But again, just another example on how woke culture is, is destructive and needs to be soundly rejected. And we Gen Xers, I think, should be first in line in rejecting all of that nonsense. So glad I got all that off off my chest. I feel much better. So now that I have my water, I'll go back to doing my work and and being productive and brace myself that we don't get smacked in the face by inflation. We shall see. Well, keep your chin up, Gen X. Keep keep working hard. Keep uh, doing what you're doing. And we will see you next time. Until then, stay cool, Gen X.